Romans chapter 1, I'm writing a book on this passage right here, right now. I'm, Brother Sean's been helping me. He's my associate. Romans 1, 11 and 12, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you, impartation, uh, unto you some spiritual gift. It really, really would be configured a little different in the Greek. Out of my spiritual endowment is the way you would read that. Paul is an apostle, a prophet, a teacher. That's what he was walking in. And he said, out of my endowments that I had, the Greek word here uh, for, for that, the spiritual gift, is uh, a spiritual endowment. And I know I was teaching this many years ago, maybe 10 or 12, 15. And Pastor Keith said, you know, there's a lady that just went home to be with the Lord, and she left uh, Vanderbilt University, how much? 300 and some million? $284 million. All of a sudden, that school can do stuff they couldn't do before that. So we're not talking about our ability, but we're talking about ministering out of, I'm talking about ministering, me ministering to you out of my endowment. It also means a miraculous faculty. And boy, we've seen some miracles, and they continue to come with great strength in our life and ministry, especially when, where I'm well-received. A little harder to get people to believe sometimes that are skeptical. And it also means a deliverance. So, you know, this is an important verse for us, thinking about tonight, and I want to get to verse 12 here. That is, that I may be comforted uh, together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So what I'm reading this is the first verse because I'm going to release what I have in me. Now, I'll talk a little bit about general laying on the hands. If you're a believer, you could lay hands on the sick. You can cast out devils. You can speak with new tongues. All those things, Mark 16. However, I'm talking about a different level of laying on the hands. I normally don't pray for the sick. I can. It's not unscriptural. But I lay hands on them and impart healing power into them. And that anointing goes in and starts making things right. It may not always be instant. I know in our society today, we have everything that's instant. You know, you drive in, they got the hamburger wet before you get to the window practically. They got drive through dry cleaners and drive through stuff, banks and and we're always in a hurry, kind of. And this is, this is just good to think about. Sometimes you could have a miracle. Even Jesus had miracles that weren't instantaneous. Right. Yeah. You know, he healed that little boy from the guy that ran to him and said, my son's at the point of death. Come pray. He said, I don't need to come pray. You go, it'll be done as you believe. And the man started home, and his little boy was raised up. And he didn't get home for, another. You know, I think, the next day. So there was a period of time between when Jesus said something, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. You need to believe what I'm telling you from the Bible. And you could get something tonight. Mutual faith means I have faith to release what's in me, and you have faith to receive it. Are you, are you following me? This is a very important issue. Hallelujah. Let me read you something here. There have been times when the power of God went into someone who was sick when hands were laid on them and they even fell under the power of God, but they didn't receive healing. It's because they didn't mix faith with the power of God. So you have to have some initiative about you too. Now, sometimes I might be able to get things to a few people in a special setting, but typically I cannot because there's no faith to receive what I'm ministering. You know, and, and, and some of you say, yeah, but boy, I'd have got it if Jesus is here. Well, you wouldn't have got it from him either without your faith. 
We, and just stay with me in Romans a minute, but we, we realize over in Matthew 9, two blind men came to him and said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. And he, he said, what do you need? And he said that we might see again. They were blind men. And he said, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. And then he ministered to them and they both began to see. So it takes mutual faith and it takes faith in your heart to mix the faith that you have and you do that with your tongue. See, like if I lay hands on you tonight, let's say you had a, a, a spinal problem. I prayed for a lady in Texas a few years ago. Uh, she had a, a severe spinal issue. She had her pelvis and both her hips and her tailbone were out, not functioning right. They were crooked. And I said to her, you've got to keep the switch of faith turned on to the whole congregation. That means when I pray for you, you believe you receive and start saying the power of God's working in me. Well, she went to her pastor after the service and was complaining. Dr. Jacob said he had a tangible anointing. I didn't feel anything. I guess I didn't get anything. I, he said, he told you what to do. Now straighten up and do what he, he what did he say? And so he repeated, say the power of God's working in me. It's affecting my body and I'm receiving a healing. That keeps the power moving in you. So, so she, and you know, I, I learned that from Brother Hagin. He prayed for a little baby whose legs were like strings. No, no function of that. And the lady took him in the line. Pastor Dr. Hagen said, well, the anointing went into him. And the next morning she got up, was bathing her, her baby, and, and, and she said, well, Lord, I thought you said that he'd be healed. He said, what did the man of God tell you? He said to keep believing, keep my switch of faith turned on, believe I receive. I believe I receive. My, daughter, my son's being healed. And about that time, she heard popping noises in the bathtub, and all of his legs grew out and straightened up. All the bones were in place, and he got walked out of that tub. Hey, hallelujah. Now, now let's see here. What, I was going to say something else here. Oh, the lady keeping her faith turned on. Well, she said, I went to bed at 12 o'clock, still hadn't felt a thing. And I woke up at about uh, 2.45 and heard noises, and it was my spine popping and my hips being put in place, my pelvis being put in place, and I'm totally healed. I prayed for her at 8 o'clock at night, and she woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And whether that's the Holy Ghost or the, one of the angels working with me, it doesn't make a bit of difference to me, but she got it. And I went back the next year to preach for the same pastor, and she was serving food in the back. I remember her because her name was Olga. And I said, come here and tell me. Now, you sent me an email, and this is what it said. Is that exactly what happened? And she told me again the same story. Hallelujah. You know, when I was younger in ministry, I had a young couple, and they reminded me of me when I was a drug addict. They had coming out of drug addiction. It was a couple, and they had a new baby. And I remember one night on my door came knock. And I opened up and said, yeah, what's up? But, Pastor, would you come pray for our baby? I said, what's wrong with your baby? Well, she's got a, a hernia and it protrudes out of her side down there about this far. And she's going to have to have that surgically removed on Thursday. This was like a Tuesday. I said, all right, I'll get my coat. You live right down the street and around there, don't you, over by the old pizza? Yep. I came in I, and they took the diaper off the baby. Let me see it. It's sure enough sticking up. I laid my hands on it and said, I command that to go away in Jesus' name. Took my hand off. It's still there looking at me. I said, well, put his diaper back on. It'll be all right. The next morning, the baby woke up, didn't have any hernia. See, there's a lot of people who get discouraged. Well, it doesn't look like it. See, we taught that this morning. You've got to say what the Word says when it don't look like it, and then it'll be like it. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. Believers can't always receive healing, Brother Hagin, 
because they're not in position to because of a lack of faith or disobedience. So, you know, I would just do yourself a favor if you know some area you've been in disobedience with God about. Just repent while I'm talking. Don't need to speak out loud. I'm doing that. But just say, I'm, I'm getting out of that, and I repent for that. Forgive me, Father. I'm going to be healed tonight. And jump up here and listen to what I'm saying because what I'm teaching you, I will build faith in you tonight on laying on hands. All right. Here's another saying. Jesus is the only doctor I know who's not practicing. He knows what he's doing. You know, that's our, that's our Jesus. He can, he can fix your brain. And he can fix your heart. He can fix your liver, your intestines. And he can heal stuff, joints and bones. And I was uh, in a city, I forget where it was, in Indiana now. But I had a word about migraine headaches. There must have been 15 people. And that was a rough crowd. They didn't like me too well. I wasn't sure how I felt about them either when I got through. But anyway, there's about, about 10 or 12 people in line for migraine headaches. That's quite a few people to come. I got to this one boy. He was a teenager. He's a huge guy. He looked like he played a tackle on, you know, football. He was, and I laid hands on him. I said, yours is not uh, just a normal headache. You've got a chemical imbalance in your brain, and God is straightening that out right now. About this time, I saw a grown man run over to the other side of the sanctuary, grab a teenage girl, and bring her up. Amen. Of course, I didn't know those people from Joe Blow, first time I ever preached for that church, and they didn't even act like they were excited I was there. But her, the father of the boy said, when that happened, we'd just taken him to a specialist, and the specialist said the same thing you said. There's a, some kind of deficiency or hormone imbalance in his brain that causes that migraine to come on him. How would I have known that? I didn't except for the Holy Ghost. And the man that went, he got his daughter. He didn't even believe I was going to be able to help anybody, but I helped his son. He put his daughter in line. Hallelujah. You getting anything out of this? I'm going, to, I'm going to say this last quote, and then we're going to get on into the word. In a vision, Jesus told Brother Hagin regarding the healing anointing, and that's what I have in my life, a healing anointing. I have gifts of healings, but then I have an anointing. And what, I'm just trying to talk to you straight. I'm not trying to, I'm not hyping anything. I detest that in preachers, you know. But I realized the last year and a half that anointing covers a lot of areas that I didn't realize it covered. When people come back or write me back and say, well, I was in your prayer line for this, but I had something else healed. Or I had this and that healed and two or three things sometimes that I didn't even call for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus said to Brother Hagin in a vision, when you feel the anointing leave your hands and go into their body, then you know they're healed. The natural man says pain and symptoms leaving equals healing, but Jesus says that the anointing go, is going, it, it, when the anointing goes into you, it equals healing. See, whether you feel something or not, it's not important to me, but I mean, I do have a tangible anointing. A lot of times when I lay hands, it kicks in, and sometimes they feel like warm honey went over their body or electric goes through them, or they just feel a warmth or something like that. Hallelujah. So let's go on now. Let's go on to, to, to Mark 16. Hallelujah. Mark 16. Because I don't know. I mean, I know most of you or a lot of you by your face, but I don't know everybody and where you're coming from. You may not even go to church. You just showed up tonight for the healing service. I'll be glad to accommodate you if you need healing. I'll do my best. 
Not mad at anybody. But anyway, we're talking about laying on of hands. And, and, and I'm not going to take you to Hebrews 6, but it's, that's one of the six doctrines of Christ. You ought to know what I'm talking about when I use that word Christ. The laying on of hands. And, and some people, the general believer could lay hands on the sick and they could be healed. They shall recover. And you could just start with your own family and extended family. And, you know, you're down at Kroger someday buying a loaf of bread and there's somebody, you say, could I pray for you and just lay hands on them? And believe, but we're talking about some other things too within that laying on the hands. We're going to look at some things that laying on the hands can do for you. And so we're in Mark 16, verse, uh, verse 17 and, and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils or demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, you know, listen to me carefully. If you're in uh, doctor's care and you're taking chemotherapy or some kind of strong narcotic or drug, you need to believe that it's not going to tear your body up. If you have to take it, take it, but take it in the name of Jesus. But don't stay there the rest of your life. Believe you can get out of that. Believe that you can be delivered from all that. And it, it said, they shall not hurt them. As you see here, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Notice he didn't say they'll instantly be healed. You might get somebody occasionally gets healed instantly. I've had it, but a lot of times I don't have an instant manifestation. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I prayed for a big old boy. What was his name? Bear? We called him Bear at our church. He came to our youth camp for several years. Some of the young people may... Polar. He is a bear, but... <laughs> Big old strapping guy, he's a teenager. He, he looked like he played tackle for NFL. And he had broken his leg, and they put a rod in there to make the other foot, the leg grow out because they were uneven. We were at youth camp one year, and I said, anybody has lower, a pain in your lower back or, or your hips, come up here. And I put him in a chair and looked, and his leg was that much shorter than the other. I said, in Jesus' name, it just grew right out. He'd been going to the doctor, had that rod in there for several years, nothing had happened. I, I ministered to him within 30 seconds. They were equal. Yeah. Hallelujah. And let's for, look at verse 20 since we're talking about laying on of hands. Notice, let me, before we do that, let me go back and read this to you. Verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. Didn't say anything about preachers. But if you believe it, and that's for all believers are believers. You know, you have a believer in you. It's part of your makeup. So it's not just about me or somebody else but has maybe a specialty ministry, every believer could do those things listed. Then verse 20, And they went forth and preached everywhere, including Brentwood, Tennessee, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You know, I could have just got up here and say, if you need something, get up here. I'm gonna lay. But, but see, I'm trying to teach a little something in you to get your face stirred with me so you could more easily receive. All right, so we're talking about some things here. Let's, let's go over to uh, Luke 4, Luke 4 and 40, Luke chapter 4, and uh, verse uh, 40 and 41. But before we get there, I want to tell you here, you know, uh, even Jesus required faith of people for the most part. There's sometimes he got it done without that, but for the most part, it was their faith that caused the 
anointing to flow into them from Jesus. Now we know this too about Jesus. Jesus is our example. And the Bible says, what is it, John 14 and 12? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, that be me and you, the works that I do shall he do, or she do also. So it's not far-fetched that uh, believers would start doing that with more uh, confidence to lay hands on people. Yeah, and I, I'm just giving you a little, little uh, counsel here. Don't lay hands on people until you're ready. Some people are unique in their assessment of the word. Some just seem like take forever. But I, I remember I had a lady in my church named Helen Cherry, and her daddy, Samuel, his name was Samuel Dobson. He was 75 years old in the hospital dying of some kind of lung disease. Helen was in my church, said, uh, Pastor Jacobs, would you go visit him? He's up in Scottsburg Hospital. I went up there, came in, he's got, he got things in his nose and oxygen and and he liked me, and I said, I'm Dr. Jacobs, Pastor Jacobs, and I've come to minister to you and get you well. That'd be great. So I laid hands on him first and prayed for his lungs to clear up, and they began to heal up immediately. Then I said, do you know Jesus? He said, no, I don't. And I said, well, you need to pray with me. Yes, sir, and he prayed right with me. And then when he got out of the hospital, it was just like a day or two later, he was at every service until he went home to be with the Lord with me. I mean, he was such a good... Re and normally people who get 75 never heard any of this. They have a struggle to get it. Or if you've been taught in an unword church. You know, a gospel light church, I call it. We don't want to really say anything's going to confront anybody. We don't want to say anything to ruffle anybody's feather. We're gospel light. I wish they'd just put that on their marquee. Gospel light. I'd know what they're talking about. This is not a play with a game. This is a reality. But if Jesus said it and he did that the works he did, we could do also, we should start believing for that. We should start believing. That Samuel, the same guy, even two years after I prayed for his lungs, he was healed, never had another lung problem in his life. A tree fell on him. He's cutting a tree down. He's 78 years old or what? And a tree fell on him. He came to church. The whole side of his body was black that you could see. He was wearing clothes, but his arm was black. His face was black. I said, what happened to you, Sam? Oh, a tree fell on me. <laughs> pray for him. Real story, isn't it? He said, pray for me, Pastor. I said, I prayed for him, and God healed him. <laughs> he was something else. I'm looking forward to seeing him in heaven. So, uh, Let's see here, Luke 4 and 40. I want to look at some things that laying on the hands accomplishes. Luke 4 and 40, now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick, notice that, all they that had any sick, any kind of sickness and disease, and they were sick with diff divers, just means different diseases, brought them to Jesus and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. I want you to see that he, in this particular context here, and it's the number one way that Jesus ministered in the planet was laying on hands. That in his words. It's the number one way that God uses me. Laying on the hands where we impart power and my words that associate and go with that. So we're seeing something here. He laid hands on every one of them. And it says, and healed them. So they, th that particular time, I guess everybody that came that had different diseases got healed. Because Jesus laid hands on every one of them. Then look at verse 41. 
And devils or demons also came out of many, not a few. I went back and studied my New Testament, Matthew included that on this study, because I was following Jesus in this, about deliverance and how many times the word many is used concerning devils. It's amazing. But I wanted you to notice something here. Demons came out of them, uh, many of them, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew uh, that, let's see, not, for they knew that he that he was Christ, or he was the anointed one, or he was anointed. <laughs> I was in Mexico, in Guadalajara, or as they say in Mexico, Guadalajara. And I'm preaching along, and I had a ministry line up here going on, and all of a sudden, I'm still standing here just seeing what else Father has for me to do. And this gentleman's coming down the center aisle. He gets about 15 feet from me, and I can tell he's mad about something. Then beyond that, I went in discerning his spirits, and I saw this evil spirit. And he got about 10 feet from me. He started barking at me like a mad dog. I mean, if I could repeat it, I would, but it'd scare you enough you need to have to have, you know, huggies or have some faith. And about the time he started barking and growling at me, and he was coming for me, uh, I started, started to move towards him. And four big old ushers got around him. They hadn't got to him yet. And he was doing that growling. Like, people growl at me sometimes. You wouldn't believe it. I can tell you some stories. <laughs> I said, shut up. Come out of him. He took one more step and froze. He stayed in that position for probably three minutes. Started dripping out the side of his mouth. It kind of looked like, like if you had a pool of water and you put an Alka-Seltzer in it. It was all white-looking foam. And it left a big old circle where that, all that stuff drained out of him. He's, I mean, God stopped him. And then he came to and says, where am I? I said, you're at church, son. Give me your hand. You need Jesus. Yes, sir. And he gave me his hand. I prayed for him. Yeah, he got delivered that night and saved. So the next morning, I'm back in that same church, and there he sits with an older couple and a young lady that looks like maybe she might have been 23 or 4. He was probably 35, the guy I cast the devil out of. And then there's an older couple. So when I gave an invitation for salvation, all four of them got up and came up. Aaron Cobe, my friend that's an apostle there, like Mike Rabel's an apostle, uh, he was interpreting for me, and she said to me, are you the one that cast that thing out of my son to me? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. Can I tell you a story? And I just, I couldn't resist. Yeah, tell me a story. <laughs> Normally I wouldn't have done that, but she said our son was so violent and so devil-possessed and so crazy in his behavior. About two years ago, we threw him out of the house and put new locks on our doors and put things up to barricade our door because we didn't trust him. We thought if we went to sleep, he's liable to kill us in our sleep. And said, he came home last night and started knocking on the door. It was late. Mom, Dad, let me in. Please let me in. And said, me and my husband were standing on the inside of the door listening to him knock. And we looked at each other, should we let him in? You know, he's kind of radical and crazy. And so the, the boy, the young man, the son, Mom, Dad, I promise you I'm different. Please open the door let me in. My husband and I made a decision we're going to let him in. We let him in. He came in. He embraced us. He went to the living room, fell on the couch, began to weep and cry uncontrollably. And he said, I don't know what happened to me, but I ended up in a church last night, and some guy cast something out of me, and I'm a different person. And she said to me, my husband and I and my daughter, we all want the same Jesus that got our son delivered. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> then one time I was at church late one night, talking about demons a minute. Not all of them are this bizarre. <clears throat> the guy shows up, he's got a bandana on, he's got a motorcycle belt with the chain that goes to the big wallet, and he's wearing motorcycle boots. I thought he just pulled in on his Harley. And he came in and he told somebody, I think Diana, my wife, I'd like to see the pastor. Well, it's late. I've had a big day. And I, I just said, send him on his way. I don't have time for this. You know, sometimes you're just done. Yeah. Put a fork in you, you're done. And all of a sudden, the Lord said this to me. He's kind of slick, slick too. You could help him if you wanted, Michael. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And I caught her before she went out in the foyer. I said, tell him I'll be there in a minute. I came out, and he's shaking. He's about six, two, or three, about like Jacob, my son-in-law. He's a tall person. He's, it looks like he just rides a Harley all the time. But he said, uh, uh, Pastor, I said, yes, sir. He said, my sister is demon-possessed. And he said, I tried to cast that thing out of her, and it scared and used the word out of me. <laughs> I loved his plain English. Huh? Yeah, talking in a man's voice, all weirdness. And so I said, well, where is your sister? Did you bring her? Well, she's out in the car. Well, go get her. I'll, I'll minister to her. This little frail-looking lady had her purse. And it was just, just. I mean, the devil's funny, too. He had, she had her purse, and she was walking. True story. And she got to me, and she glared at me and started growling like a dog. Now, thank God Jacob was with me. He's a witness, and my son was in the building. My wife and my, and my daughter were in the office. And my secretary, were you there, Don? And they got a blind, and they're peeping through there to see if, what's happening. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I got to tell on my son, it's a funny story. He's coming down the hall, huh? He was a teenager, you know. Came down the hall and heard that woman growl at me and went, <laughs> went right back down the hall. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it's a true story. I mean, I don't, I don't elaborate it. I mean, I'm just. So I grabbed her by her head and I said, come out of her. She fell down. She, got, she was lifeless there. He goes, my God, you killed her, preacher. <laughs> I didn't kill her. She'll be back in a minute. You know, she had a little, looked like a seizure. Sometimes people have those when I pray deliver. Her eyes rolled back in her head. She started twitching and shaking and fell out. And then she just limped. He said, my God, you killed her, Pastor. Well, I didn't kill her. She'll be all right. She got up delivered, but unfortunately, they didn't stay with me. We're talking about demons and stuff here. And part of that goes with uh, the ministry of healing and laying on of hands here. You don't always have to lay hands on people, but sometimes you do. And he says he laid hands on every one of them, one of them, and demons also came out of many. He's in that same sentence, really. All right. So remember, sickness can be healed through laying on the hands. Deliverance can occur through laying on the hands. And, and, and blessing can occur. Let's go to, to Mark chapter 10 a minute. Pick up a scripture here, just talking to you. Because, you know, you, maybe not everybody's sick here tonight or anything. I hope nobody is. But if somebody is, we're here to help you. 
let's see, uh, Mark chapter uh, chapter 10 and verse 13 and through 16. And they brought young children to him and he he that he should touch them. See, they understand something about touch in the Bible. And, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was displeased, much displeased. And said, Suffer the little, allow the little children to come unto me. That's what suffer means. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive uh, the, uh, a child like this, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter there. And you know, God doesn't want this complicated. In verse 16, he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and touched them, and blessed them. So, you know, we can see here that Jesus is ministering blessing to children. So blessing can take place when you have hands laid on you if you're a good receiver. Hallelujah. We have that all through the Bible, but we're just talking about this one issue here. Actually, the Greek says that he touched them that they might be changed. Hallelujah. He was imparting something into those children. Then let's go back to Mark 3. Let me give, this is a little, and then we're going to read a few more scriptures, then I'm going to minister to you. Um, Mark chapter 3. Is there any criteria for us to be effective in this ministry? Absolutely, and I'm going to show it to you. Maybe not the only thing, but an important thing. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And Jesus ordained 12 that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out devils or demons. But what I wanted you to see is that they should be with him. If you're going to be effective in any level of ministry, you're going to have to spend time with the master. Spend time with Jesus. There's a transfer that takes place when we do that. For our weakness, he gives us strength. Like Isaiah 40, they, they, they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Uh, those that wait upon the Lord. See, you've got to learn to make this a daily practice. And I know it's hard because we're so inundated. We've got so many things going on that take up our time and draw us in different directions. My spiritual father said, spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne said, one of the major issues that preachers face and don't do too well with is distractions. Distractions. So I'm purposed in my life and have been for many years not to be distracted. I put too much on my plate for a while, but I learned the hard way that's not good thinking. But I've always tried to spend a lot of time with him, with Jesus, privately, to get his mind on a service, his mind on a situation, so that I could, and it says here, notice this, that they should be with him, and that was the first thing, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out devils. If they had not spent time with him, they wouldn't have been able to do that probably. Right. Going to have to isolate some blocks of times. Hallelujah. Spend time with Jesus. You know, people are all right. I'm not critical, but I mean, no, nobody knows what he knows. And nobody knows me like he does. I mean, my wife is a good wife and been married 43 years, but, you know, Jesus knows me even more intimately than she does. He knows what I need. He knows what I should be thinking. He knows what I am thinking. He knows everything about me. And when I spend time with him and worship him or just get before him, 
and learn to be still in my being. I've been practicing that a long time. I'm better at it than I used to be. Learn to be still in his presence. And he'll reveal things to you. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to do a little journey through Acts, several re references, a few here to talk to you. But, but Acts 4, 29 and 30. This is a story of the disciples. You know, I think they were, I don't remember right, they were uh, beaten or punished or something and so forth. And it says in verse 29 here, Acts 4.29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Notice that, with all boldness speak the word. That's a good confession. I'm speaking the word with boldness. Tell yourself that. Hallelujah. And then verse 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. I'm, I'm reading these verses to you, Acts 4, 29 and 30. As a church, you should be praying that. You know what I'm saying? You ought to be praying, God, I pray that you would extend your hand to heal, that signs and wonders take place in the name of Jesus. So I already prayed that before I came tonight. been praying it for long years, but this reminded myself. And, but I've never seen Jesus' arm come through the ceiling and touch anybody like that. He uses my hands when, when I'm ministering, I mean. Hallelujah. I have a lot of help from the angels, but still yet there is an anointing in my life, and they work parallel to that and with that. I've got two angels who work with me. Their, their job is to restore and repair people's bodies. He didn't put a limit on it either, so I don't put a limit on it. I just say, well, the angels are with me. They're going to help restore and repair you. I had a lady in Dr. Hannibal's church. She went to, she sent me the medical report about her shoulder, and he did some kind of test on her and said, your, your, your cartilage or your tendons in that shoulder have been, uh, uh, what's the word, sliced, uh, like sliced in two. And I ministered to her, and she never had another issue. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I got the medical report. Another man in his church, I had a word about hearts one day down at Den Pastor Dennis's, and, I, and normally my procedure is if nobody responds after a minute or two, you know, I'm not, then I'm just going to move on. But that particular night, the Lord said, you're not going to move on. I've hold you accountable to figure this out. And I said, oh, brother, here we go. I've already said it three times. Nobody said anything. Nobody's coming forward. But I was sure I heard from heaven. I said it one more time, and all of a sudden, there's a guy standing over here. He was up to help line people up if they came as an usher. What's his name, Steve? Steve, and he said, well, it could be me. I said, what took you so long? He said, well, I just thought somebody else would come. What's wrong with your heart? Well, I have hardening of the arteries. He was 52 when this miracle took place. He, he sent me the medical report from the doctors, and he said that they told him well, let me let me back it up. He had it from 23 years old to 52 years old. Hardening of the artery. They sent me a medical report from their doctor. Said you before this happened to you. They, he went back and he they all the heart people checked him. Said we don't understand this. You got a rotor rooter job. You know where you got plaque up in your arteries or veins. Something rotor rootered all that out. Now how does God do that? I don't know. I just know He does. He knows how to do stuff like that. Just amazing. And, and, he, and so Steve said, well, you know, he's in a group of doctors, like three or four or five. They're all heart specialists. 
And he said, how often do you see this? And we read medical journals, journals from all over the world with heart surgery and what people are, the newest things with hearts. And we've never, ever heard of this being reversed. In fact, it's not supposed to be reversed. It gets worse as you get older. More plaque gets stuck in you. So the beginning of this medical report says, before we saw you recently, you were in the top 5% to have a stroke or heart attack. And since this miracle, he didn't use the word miracle, since all this has happened, you're in the bottom 5% to ever have any issue like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are just coming to me. I don't have them all written out, but some of those things are important to talk about. And, and sometimes, you know, hallelujah. Where am I at? Acts 5. Look at verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles. So in, in this particular contest, there was more than just one minister. Uh, I think it was all 12 of them, if I remember, by the hands of the apostles, were many, not a few, many signs and wonders uh, wrought among the people, and they were all filled with one accord in Solomon's porch. Sometimes God does things, and it's a sign that makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. It's just like, what in the world just happened? You know, I'm just telling you here. But I wanted you to see by the hands of the apostles. And I personally believe you had several apostles, the 12 apostles. They all didn't have the same gifting. They may have been in the same office of ministry, but they probably had different things that worked with them. And if you're a real apostle like Michael Rabel here, you have mighty powerful things, deeds and miracles that God uses you to do. Hallelujah. And notice this, and they were all with one accord at uh, Church on the Rock, Brentwood. Amen. See, you know, when you think, well, I can cop an attitude, it's just between me and God. No, it's not. You're affecting me. When I'm here and you're affecting pastors, when they're, and you're affecting all your other brothers and sisters. That's why it's important the whole body begins to mature and put away childish things and move on with God in a different level. She, Pastor Nancy told uh, Dr. Rogan, said, I like ministering at your church. I can tell those people have been fed. And I know pa Pastor Nancy pretty well. I've been around her about 23 years. And I know she doesn't flippantly say anything, especially comments like that. So you're well fed here and well taken care of. And because of that, she had a greater liberty. So do I have a greater liberty? Then I have it other places that people don't understand my gifting. They don't understand, you know, anything sometimes about what I am or what I'm called to do. Let's go to Acts 19. I mean, we could spend a lot more time, but I'm trying to condense it. I think I started about quarter till 8, 20 till or a quarter till, something like that. Uh, chapter uh, 19 of the book of Acts. Here's something else that can take place. In verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came to them, came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now we see in this particular context, they were not spirit-filled people until Paul got to them. They weren't even saved, really. Earlier in this same passage, he begins to explain to them what it means to be reborn and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. He moves in that direction, but what I wanted you to see, he laid hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came on them. That would be all that he laid hands on. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Not only did they speak in tongues, they got a, a secondary gift as prophecy, simple prophecy. 
not like a prophet, but still a simple gift of prophecy. And then we go up here to verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. God wrought it. Special miracle. You know, it would be something to have a miracle, but when you have a special miracle, and the Greek says an extraordinary miracle, it's up and beyond just a normal miracle. It says, so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. I had somebody tell me this in the last year or two. They, I prayed over a cloth like, say, four years ago, and after they got healed or whatever it was, they threw it in a drawer. And they recently got sick again and said, what did I do with that prayer cloth? They went and got it and said, she said, when I put it on me, immediately I felt warmth come over me and the power of God hit me again. I normally don't have reports like that that often, that kind of thing, but it happened that time. They were talking about different things. Dr. Dufresne always called verse 11 and 12 specialty anointings. So really, to be honest with you, you don't need a prayer cloth for me if I'm here. If, if I could lay hands on something and transmit healing power, which I have many times over. I was in South America. I don't know how many years ago that was. And a lady said, my neighbor's a, a child's having surgery in two days on its bladder. It's a newborn baby. Could you give me a prayer cloth? I said, sure. I gave her a prayer cloth, took it to her neighbor and put it on the baby and took it back in. He doesn't need surgery. It was fixed. Whatever The bladder problem. I think it was a bladder problem. See, we're just talking about some things here. Specialty ministries. You know, I mean, you're not going to go to church every Sunday and somebody do what I told about that lady that's not a gymnast did. How many times have you ever seen something like that? And I, I think this generation's due, they, it's due to them to see some supernatural, extraordinary things be done. We've got to start talking about it and teaching about it and realize that you have a part to play in it, I have a part to play in it, the whole church has a part to play in it. Hallelujah. By the way, the music's been wonderful. And sometimes I go to places I would have done better if they hadn't have sang. Not being mean to, to music people, I'm just saying they didn't pay attention. They don't, you know, it, it, they went, they're, they're, it was so jagged and just didn't fit with each other what they're trying to do. The music people should be able to hit the first song, the anointing on the first song, instead of the third song. You know, I've been in this a long time, 40 years. Nobody ever called me for emergency. I said, well, you have to call Brother Sean. I'm not in faith today. <laughs> I didn't feel good about it sometimes that people did that, but as a pastor, that was part of my responsibility to stay on it. To stay with it. I had a lady in my church named Tawana Phelps. Two stories about her, and I'm going to shut down in just a second. She came to a meeting. We went across the river. What was his name? Arthur Patterson. He's got an inner city church, and, and, and you know, we would change pulpits once a year. He'd bring his congregation and praise team to us, and we'd go over there, and I'd preach. And so I was at his church one time. I had a word of knowledge about depression, and a lot of people came. And this one lady stands out to me. Her name's Tawanta Phelps. What a, it sounds like an Indian name, but she's just a white lady. I don't know if she's got any Indian or not, but Tawanta. True name. 
So I laid hands on her for depression and commanded it to go. And when I laid hands on her, the Lord said to me, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. Now, her husband's a Marine. And he's a big old burly guy, too, about two foot taller than me, if I remember, Ronnie. And so I, you would have been proud of me. I laid hands on her head and prayed a great pastoral prayer over her. This is probably 15 years ago, maybe further back. Were you in that service? Long time ago, maybe 20 years. The Lord said, I said hit her in the stomach. Well, I wouldn't do it. And so she turns around and starts back to her seat. And the Lord yelled at me. I don't think anybody else heard it, but in here he said, are you going to obey me or not? And I said, so want to come back. God's got something special for you. <laughs> and I was so glad that when she got to me, she threw her arms up and closed her eyes. <laughs> I heard back and bam, hit her as hard as I could in the stomach. That's what the Lord said to do. I'd only done that one other time with a woman, and she had a big tumor here about the size of a grapefruit. And she, he told me to slug her in, on that tumor area. I slugged her, and that thing just deflated under my hand. So now back to Tawana. I hit her in the stomach, and all of a sudden, as she's going back, this spirit being comes out of her chest. And it's like, like a, it looked like a bird, but had a different head on it. And it was going like that, coming out of her chest, and then flew through the wall of the church. Well, she come up after the service, and I said... Uh, did anybody tell you I hit you? Yeah, they did. You know what? I didn't feel anything. But something unusual happened. felt like something came out of my chest. And I said, you did. And I saw it. It was a demon of depression. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes in some settings with her, later on she got real sick and was dying in a hospital someplace else in Louisville. I went to see her. And the nurse at the nursing station said, you better pray for her because she's going. And she's going quick. Her body's shutting down. You know, nurses would know the telltale signs of that. But when I walked in and I laid hands on her, Tawana, she was conscious. And she said, there was this big angel come up behind you, Dr. Jacobs, about two feet taller than you. And I laid hands on her and the angel touched her too. And all the machinery went crazy over there. And she got out of the hospital the next day. Hallelujah. Whole and healed and well. <clears throat> I've read a lot about uh, different people and how God uses them. And, and, so, and a lot of times when I'm ministering to people, the angels get involved with me and do certain things that I couldn't do. I've seen them sometimes. I remember several times I've seen them reach inside somebody's body. It's people that had scoliosis of the spine or other spinal injuries that and he'd reach in there, and this particular lady was laid on the floor. He put his arm in, it, in her being, reached down and got her tailbone and jerked it. And she, she had, he had no strange bends in her back at all after that happened. So sometimes, you know, we have a, a, a people that, a beings that help us is what I'm trying to say. All right, praise the Lord. So what I'd like to do first of all, I'd like to pray for the preachers.